Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. Today's February 18th, and I am your host, Craig Chamberlain. Thank you for joining me today. It is uh, 6 a.m. And remember, if you want to be part of the live discussion, which is going to take place after the main topic, swing on by to facebook.com and uh, look us up on Wisdom Worth Knowing. Or uh, you can also follow the live chat on YouTube, in which you can uh, ask questions, add commentary, and your questions and commentary will be discussed at the end of the episode. So before I get started, I want to let you know you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. Actually, you know what? We are officially on Google Podcasts as of as of this morning. I actually checked in on it again, and it is successfully on there now. So that's pretty exciting. We have expanded to expanded to Google Podcasts now as well. So thank you guys for joining. Now, um, today's topic is every end brings a new beginning. Now, you guys uh, continually impress me uh, on the Facebook group when you select these topics. Like I said, it, it, it continually amazes me that I will put, I, like I pick five posts a day that are going to go, that are going to hit the feed. And I genuinely have some that I think are are more interesting than others, but the community always ends up picking something I don't expect. I mean, occasionally they do, but after I think about it and I look at the topic for a little bit, it's like, okay, yeah, this is, this is better. This is probably the best post of the day. (laughs) So this topic in particular is very, very powerful. Um, because it really kind of depends on if you are an optimist or a pessimist, how you're going to react to life's events. And the uh, uh, general optimism of this post is something that I appreciate because it's very, very easy to be a pessimist. It's very difficult to be an optimist. For those of you who don't know the difference, optimism is basically the general idea of you look at a situation and you see the possibilities, the potential good that can come out of it. Pessimists tend to see the opposite. You know, they look at a situation and they go, this is a sign that the end is coming, (laughs) so to speak. So, like, for example, the the most obvious example most people have heard before is the glass is half full or the glass is half empty. Somebody looks at a, a glass of water that's basically sitting there with half the water in it. And somebody says it's half full, the other person says it's half empty. So the optimist is the person who says it's half full. Hey, I've got, I still got a half of, of a glass to drink. The pessimist says, man, I'm already all out of half of it. It's going to be gone soon. And then I'll be thirsty. So it, th- this particular quotation where you look at the every end brings a new beginning is when things are ending, it can be emotionally devastating, especially if it's like a relationship or if it's a, you know, you lost your job or it could be you lost a family member. It could be, I mean, you could, you could lose a limb. I mean, there's an, an infinite number of endings that can take place. It could be something as silly as like my book ended, the end of my book or the end of the podcast or the end of you know, the mo- a video game you're playing that you really like. 
Uh, oh, wait, here's a culturally relevant one. Everyone talks about the show hole. You know, when you finish a streaming show on uh, on your favorite network, like Hulu or Netflix, and like there's this, this stage of depression you have to go through after the show is no longer <laughs> something you can watch. And so the you go through this this emptiness at the end of things. Um, and those are just a couple examples culturally of how things can just end, you know, or personally and relationally. Now, obviously, depending on the situation and depending on the person, how you deal with endings is going to be different. Uh, one thing I do like to, to kind of discuss with people, and, I, and I've had conversations with people who've lost friends and family, loved ones, is people tend to feel guilty for their feelings after something ends. They tend, they tend to feel guilty for how they're reacting or not reacting to a death or how they're reacting or not reacting to the loss of a relationship or a job. And everybody grieves differently. You know, they, they talk about the five stages of grief and I can pull those up. Um, five stages of grief. Let me pull that up real quick. Uh, because I think this is fascinating because I think, I think, I think there are genuinely five stages of grief. Grief, in my experience, I, I've experienced all of these in some form, and the five stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Now, one thing I, I do like about all of these categories is that is a wide range of emotions. You know, if you look at denial, uh, a lot of times with denial, you can just be like happily oblivious and just deny that something's happening. And, you know, like I think of the this is fine dog meme on the Internet where you have the dog sitting at the dining room table with the whole kitchen on fire. And he's sitting there with a cup of coffee and he's saying, this is fine. You know, like that's the that's the denial stage, right? Like that's the first stage of of grief. And then once once reality kind of sets in, you know, for a lot of people, you know, you can move in. You can get anger. You can get angry about it. Because then once you have kind of have to accept reality for what it is, it's normal to get angry. And then you start bargaining and you start saying, well, you know, you know, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe it, maybe it's my fault. Maybe it's their fault. Maybe it, maybe I could have done things differently. And then eventually you kind of accept what's going on and you get depressed. And you're like, you know what? I don't think anything I would have done would have made a difference. And then hopefully eventually you move into acceptance. But everybody moves through these stages, I think, in varying degrees. And I think this this mentality that we need to feel bad or guilty because because of how we are traveling through this this whole grief process is not it's not a good thing. I think everybody needs to be aware that even with something as silly as a Netflix Netflix show ending, or or something as serious as losing a loved one or an, a relationship ending, we all grieve things. We all grieve endings differently. Um. The general optimism of the quote is, though, is that even though things do end, it, it, things new things will begin. This is actually kind of a terrible prospect for me in a lot of ways. Like, I, I often project my anxiety and in like into what am I going to do if the economy tanks and I lose my job? I'm sure a lot of people actually kind of feel that way right now. And you project yourself into it, and and you instantly start to think of all the things that are going to be bad. You know, when that happens or if that happens, and the truth of the matter is, is you really can't address those issues until they happen. I've noticed that like when I sit down and I attempt to say, what am I going to do if this happens? The truth is, is I don't know 
first of all, the, the kind of person I'm going to be at the moment it happens. So I don't, cause I don't know when it's going to happen. It could be a year, 10 years from now. So my character will be different then. And then second of all, I don't know all the circumstances and support surrounding that. A lot of times, if, if you start to pay attention to people who are in tragedies, just kind of just pay attention to them and hopefully, get, you know, if you can support them in some way, but if you pay attention to them, they adapt, human beings adapt really well, mostly because we have to, we don't have much of a choice, you know, and in grief, it's the same thing In endings, it's the same thing. We adapt because we don't really have a choice. We have to adapt to losing the job, losing the friend, losing the loved one, losing the relationship because we can't, we can't mold reality to our will. We just can't. We are subject to external pressures and powers that are completely out of our control. And we don't get to pick those events that happen. And that's scary. You know, it's, it is. It's scary. We're vulnerable. It leaves us vulnerable. And so if, if we don't at least acknowledge that reality, it is very difficult to, to absorb the grief as it comes. But I do want to emphasize this importance of realizing that you are a human being and, and human beings adapt. You know, when things end tragically or just end in general, we, we can reach out to people. We can, we can learn more about the grief. We can see how other people's dealt with the grief before us. We can, we can reach out to God. We can pray about it. We can learn more about ourselves through the grief. There's a, there's a lot of things that when, when the event occurs that we can learn how to deal with it because there are people before us who have learned how to deal with it. And there's people around us right now who are dealing with it. We are not alone. Even though you can feel tragically alone, you're not. I've had life events happen to me. Um, certain things that have happened. I don't want to be specific because I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to risk disclosing too much. But I have had tragic things happen to me that I thought had not happened to anybody. And then the minute people find out. Oh, no, here's, here's a good example that I can, that I can make public because it's happened to me multiple times. Um, one of the first times my wife got pregnant, we had a miscarriage. This isn't something that comes up in regular conversation, right? So, so when it happened to me, it was devastating, you know, and it was devastating to both of us. We, you know, we were in our 20s and it was the first pregnancy and, and that stuff's scary. But when it happened, a really strange thing happened when I started telling people about it. It happened to a lot more people than I thought it, to, it did. Like when you're alone in the, in that happens, you, you get devastated and isolated and you're like, oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? What did I, you know, you start to go through the whole laundry list of things you should have done differently. And then you finally tell people or you openly tell people, hopefully you get honest about it. And then suddenly, literally people come from everywhere and they walk up to you. You know, if they hear about it, it's it's like complete strangers would walk, not strangers, but people who kind of were just acquaintances would say, hey, I'm so sorry. It's happened to me like three times, you know, like, and then you're like, whoa, really? And then, and then they kind of just told you how they got through it and how, how what that process looked like for them. And, and then you just kind of learn that, wow, a lot of people are dealing with a load that you don't even know about or have dealt with a load that you don't even know about. The point is, is that when you hit that ending or that stage of grief, 
it is good to open up and express that so that people are aware of what you're going through, at least to some degree, or where you're going through at all, so that you can create that opportunity for learning from their experience. And the point is, is you're not, you don't have to do it alone, right? And, and there are people before you and people right now who are, are going through that. And that's awesome. Like, that's one of the great things about the human race is we can observe and learn from each other. We have human, we have brains, we have sight, we can read, listen, and absorb information and process it and apply it to our lives. Um, and that's amazing because in that way, we can kind of lift each other up and a load is a lot easier to carry when other people are even are carrying it with you, even if it's small parts of it. But here's the thing is, is you do have some responsibility in allowing other people to help you carry that load. Like you have to let them in. You have to give them the opportunity to assist you in that. It's incredibly important not to isolate, you know, if you're, if you're facing an ending right now. And I think that's where kind of like the, every ending is a new beginning comes in, Right. You know, at the at the end of a relationship, it's, it is devastating. You should take the time necessary to heal, go through that grieving process, make sure you've reached that form of acceptance, make sure you're not in the bargaining phase and you're throwing yourself back into a relationship to fill that hole. That would be an example. That's a very common thing that happens just in relationships with everybody because endings usually leave a hole. Um, make sure you've healed, you know, in whatever that grief is. And then, you know, when you get to that point of acceptance, you can start to rebuild that in in a different form. Now you have wisdom, right? Now you have some experience to bank on. And and you become a stronger person for it. You know, every time there is an ending and you you learn to get through it and and that could take days, weeks, months, years, depending on the severity. Um once you've learned to deal with it, you are now a stronger person and you can be that person who helps carry that load for the next person. And it is a, it is a new beginning, right? Now, now you are a new person in some respects. You're not a different person. You're just, you, I do, I, as a Christian, I do appreciate the symbolism that is in the Bible that's used pretty frequently. And, um, the one of the death, the death and resurrection Symbolism is one of my favorites, you know, that, and I'm not saying that Christ didn't actually die and get resurrected. I do believe he did, but I, I also think that it is, me, it is a, sim, a symbol, like it is symbolic of life. I think that all of us have to go through many deaths in our lives. And in that death, we can die completely or we can be resurrected in it. Like we can, we can grow through it. And become a new person. I like the death and resurrection idea because obviously death is a serious deal. Like it, it involves pain. It involves um, obviously a level of pay that is that that affects your mortality. I mean that's that is the ultimate level of pain. Death, right? So I think I think grief is and endings are the same way. It's like you go through. You go through a death experience. And I've had this conversation with people a lot. Like the ending ending a long-term relationship is devastating. Like if you talk to somebody who was with somebody for years and 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 they lost that person for whatever reason, 
It is. It's like going through a literal death. There's an absolute separation that is occurring, and it's painful, and that's okay. Like, you have to go through that process now. And I think that's true for almost all endings, you know? When, when you, you suffer a trauma in which there is something is there and you've always banked on it being there and you've always assumed it would be there and it shakes your entire world up, it spirals you into chaos. A word that uh, Jordan Peterson, who's one of my favorite authors, uses quite frequently is, is when, the, when the rug's pulled out from under you and your life falls apart, when you are suddenly forced to come face to face with chaos, the chaos of reality, you will suffer a significant amount of pain and to the point of death in some cases, depending on the severity of the chaos. And, and we can make a choice in that moment or in those moments. Do, do we continue to suffer or do we, do we learn more about ourselves to understand how to handle the suffering better? I'm not saying that you, you can magically wave a wand and make the suffering go away. I don't, I don't think we can do that and unless you are like a supernatural human. But there's a lot you can learn about yourself and how you go through a grieving process from those experiences. Like you can sit down and say, what does denial look like for me? What does anger look like for me? What does bargaining look like for me? What does depression look like for me? And what does acceptance look like for me? And, and even in this situation, you say, in this situation, what do these five stages look like? And you may not know that yet. You may still be in denial. And that's why journaling, I think, is incredibly helpful for a lot of people in writing. Because you can actually go back and read it later, too. And you can say, wow, I was in denial. Wow, that's, I was super angry. Wow, I was bargaining. And so I think it is important to, to, to document, in a lot of ways, your grief. And on that note, one of my favorite authors of all time, C.S. Lewis, he, he actually, his wife who had cancer, when she passed away, he wrote a book. It was called A Grief Observed. And he basically, honestly and candidly documented his grieving process. And he goes through all of these, depending on the day, you know, and depending on the mood, depending on which way the wind is blowing. It, it is an amazing book. If you're suffering any kind of loss, high, I highly recommend it. I mean, just the emotional swings you read about him going through is like so utterly believable to the human condition. And one thing I do particularly appreciate about C.S. Lewis is his 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 uh, poetic language he uses. And it doesn't sound super complicated, but the way he writes is... I mean, he was friends with J.R.R. Tolkien, the guy who wrote The Lord of the Rings. And, and C.S. Lewis is also the guy who wrote um, The Chronicles of Narnia. So these these guys were very dynamic in their vocabulary. They were very dynamic in their communication and their in their writing. They're very creative. And so his his inner monologue is incredibly powerful to read because you you kind of get an you kind of get this he says things in ways that that communicate emotions that most of us don't even know how to do, you know, cuz he he finds words for the pain. And I think that's valuable. Because that gives us some emotional tools for communicating our pain. Like, a lot of times we don't understand what we're going through. And it's very hard to, to communicate to people the type of pain we're experiencing because we don't understand it ourselves. So, 
that book in particular helped me because it did help me. It, it made me a better communicator to myself of the grieving process just because he, he's just a, he was a good author. He's a good writer. And, um, yeah. So that's, that's the, uh, that's the quote for today. Now, before I move into discussion time and I am monitoring the chat, um, remember the chat is on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we are going to discuss what you guys are discussing. Like I said, it is super early in the morning, so I don't expect a whole lot of community discussion, which is totally fine. We will just go through what we have and we will close out. But before I do that, let me tell you about Amazon Audible. If you're like me, you love reading or even the idea of reading, but don't have the time because you have a partner, kids, full-time job, and crazy time-consuming hobbies, then I have good news for you. With Audible, listening is the new reading. Now you can pop in your earbuds and play that next exciting adventure or expand your knowledge right from your Android or Apple device. And now for a limited time, you can get your first audiobook completely free. Just visit audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's audible.wisdomworthknowing.org right now and take advantage of a free 30-day trial, more than enough time to finish that first book. And even after finishing it, if you are completely dissatisfied for any reason, you can actually cancel anytime. And actually, A Grief Observed is on there um, as an audiobook. So if you're if you're looking for books, that one is on there. And, and I, actually, that's how I, I got through it because I, I don't have a lot of time to sit down and read anymore. So, Leonardo Bumbaca. Hi, hey, Lenny. Uh, long time, uh, long time friend. I hope you're doing well. I know we haven't talked a lot uh, in a while. Family, I'm sure you understand. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. He said, uh, Craig, this is great stuff. Glad to see you're doing this. Great way to reach out to people. It's very nice to have a community of friends and family to get through hard times. Yeah, that's a good point is the uh, having a network of friends and family. You know, not everybody has that, you know, safety net, you know, and, and and one of the things that I think is a byproduct of us being such a privileged and luxurious culture is that we don't generally have to deal with many hardships. If you just look back 100 years and you see the medical hardships, like the death rates for babies and the death rates for for mothers and the death rates for just humans in general a hundred years ago. Death, um, loss, pain, suffering, these were frequently occurring events. Obviously to the point where people invest an immense amount of time and energy to prevent them in medicine and care because they didn't want their children to experience that same level of pain. Totally understandable. But one of the byproducts of them doing such a wonderful job, we stand on the shoulders of giants. You know, one of the byproducts of them doing such a wonderful job is it is the fact that we don't actually cultivate the strength and skill to handle loss and grief very well. And we also don't value things like friendships and community as, as much because a lot of times that's why those things matter. And so we actually have to be intentional about building closer-knit relationships and friendships so that when we do go through something, we have some kind of an emotional safety net to help us get through that process. Now, I know, I know you, Lenny. I mean, obviously, you, I'm sure you have cultivated that. I, it, and, it, and as you probably know, it takes a tremendous amount of energy to maintain that level of connectivity with people 
and, and it, often it means you have to be them for, for there for them as well. You know, uh, it takes an investment of your time and energy to to build that safety net and that in, that human infrastructure or whatever you want to use the word for it, that network of people. If, if you're not good at this and you're not you in particular, but if, if you're listening to the show and you're not not great at this. Uh, I mean, literally, church is probably the best way to cultivate this type of safety net. This Because church is generally where people go to grieve, you know, or when they're suffering or when they're in that death stage of their life. And, and, and a lot of people there, they're not there because they're, it depends on the church you go to. But in most cases, they're there because they've endured suffering and they want to be helpful. And being helpful to others is a, is a way for them to deal with their own suffering. And so... It is a great place to get started, um, to start building relationships that have a lot of that deep intrinsic value to them. Because it's it's hard to find any, like, outside of church, it's hard to find any context in which it's taken seriously. Unless, okay, here's another good one. Like, because um, I don't want to just push church on people. It's not my intention at all. Um Family parties would be a great opportunity to actually get closer to your family, hosting them, going to them, participating in conversations, asking people how they're doing, reaching out to them. Um, blood does run deep. You know, people do feel an unconscious bind there. So that's a great way to start building those relationships is reaching out to friends and family. Um, if you're struggling with an addiction, um, AA, NA, support groups, where where there's a group of people who have a collective struggle that can unite them. You can cultivate those relationships. Generally speaking, any environment in which people can be honest with each other comfortably is a is a good environment in which you can start building that safety net. If you're not great at this, I mean, the only thing you can do is just get started. I mean, you'll get good at it. It just takes time. Because when when we never have to endure, especially in our early twenties and our late teens, when we we haven't had time to cultivate that safety net, and we've never we haven't valued it at all, a tragedy can really become worse. You know, when we're facing it alone, it really can. It can become harder to deal with. Um, there's hotlines you can call uh, for for just speaking with people who volunteer. Like if you're struggling with depression or suicide, call a hotline, man. Don't be embarrassed. Everybody's dealing with their level of darkness. Talked about that yesterday. Everybody's suffering in some way, no matter how well they edit. <laughs> no matter how good they look on Facebook or social media or the last time you saw them. I see in the, in the, in the eyes of some people a joy that comes through immense suffering. And it's really hard to even to like define. You just kind of see it there. But everybody has has that level of suffering that they are enduring. And it, do not forget that. You are absolutely not alone. And who knows, maybe you're just seeing somebody on their good day. You know, people on social media, and, and this is something that, it's a trap. People on social media, I mean, I'm the same way, like, you don't get on there and post how depressed and sad you are. You know, it's like 
generally speaking, you only, and I don't think people do this on purpose. It's just something we do. We don't share on our networks unless something cool or awesome happens that we think people will think is cool or awesome. You generally don't, you're not super vocal about whatever it is you're carrying around with you, you know, on a social network. And so it can be really deceiving to see the timeline and feed of everybody as it kind of scrolls through your path and you, and you kind of, you kind of see how uh, unrealistic it is because it, it just by nature of that over time, people continually sharing only the good things. You can start to wonder if you are alone in, in, in your pain. It's just, no, it's just by the nature of social media and the network, that's how people use it. And I understand why they use it that way. They don't do it to make you miserable. I don't think most of them do. I think they just do it because something cool happened and they want to share it. But uh, if we're not careful about how we interpret that, we do. if we don't realize it's edited and we only see the good things for a lot of people, we'll, we can trap ourselves into thinking, well, they got it so good compared to me. And no, maybe they're just having a good day or a good moment in their life. Maybe they're going through a season of, of good things and, and we should be happy for them. Because I do know, like I've been married for like 15 years at this point, I do know that you go through seasons. You know, you go through seasons of, of things being super great. You go through seasons of it being meh. And then you go through seasons of it being really difficult. Uh, and then it gets good again. And then it's meh again. And then it gets difficult. Then it's like, it's, you know, there's just seasons of life that you go through. And it is what it is. And... Yeah, I think that's okay. So that seems to be all for the comments, which is totally fine. Thank you for sharing uh, today. And uh, if you're just now uh, joining us for the first time, don't forget to subscribe on Audible. I'm sorry. Subscribe on subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, YouTube, Rumble, and Facebook. That's where all the uh, the events happen. The live stream is obviously on Facebook and YouTube and Rumble. I monitor the chat on Facebook and YouTube. And... Share it with friends and family if you find it beneficial and useful. And until tomorrow morning, remember, quote, every end brings a new beginning. So thank you for stopping by today to the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. I'm your host, Craig Chamberlain. And until next time, let's try to be the best version of ourselves today, whatever that may look like. Talk to you soon.